Hey there, crypto curious gang. It's time to plug in and play with the blockheads at Blockcast. Strap in for our weekly whirlwind tour through the blockchain jungle where NFTs, shiny coins, and crypto titans tango. Served up with a side of spicy insights and the crunchiest bits of the digital sphere. Let's dive into the decentralized deep end. Blockcast is live in three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm very excited to bring on a guest on the show, Samuel Chong. He runs a platform called Stakeosaurus. He's going to tell us what it's about, what is ETH staking, and why we should all get involved. And along with me, we have... GM GM, your Huawei of Blockcast over here, bringing you the <laughs> latest crypto content. But today we have a special guest. Sam to share with us is staking. Hi everyone, thanks for having me. I'm excited to share more about Stakeosaurus and is staking. Hey Sam, so what what exactly is Stakeosaurus, and perhaps could you tell us a little bit about your journey and what uh, what led you to this to doing this? For sure, for sure. So Stakeosaurus basically helps people, individuals in Southeast Asia become solo node operators. And in doing so, we are growing a grassroots community of solo node operators in this region. We have a dual mission of improving and strengthening the the decentralization on the Ethereum consensus layer, and also at the same time to leverage on the skill set of blockchain node operations to improve the lives of the less privileged in Southeast Asia. So my journey with running Ethereum validator nodes as a solo staker began Actually, all the way back since uh, 2017. I remember I, the, the first day I bought my, my first Ethereum was uh, the first day of 2017. And it was when uh, myself and two, uh, three other friends uh, caught up you know, in, a, in a food court of Tampanese Mall. And we were just debating about you know, the role of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in the wake of the financial crisis uh, just a few years back. And then we thought that we were too late to Bitcoin, and hence we, we looked at the second biggest, which was Ethereum, and they were fresh out of the, the ruins of the DAO fork and the DAO hack. But what really got us interested was the concept of smart contracts, and then how they were moving towards a POS or proof of stake even back then, and how anyone could participate in concept of mining or block validation back then so it, it meant that you know anyone could make a living make a, a decent income going towards a universal basic income kind of concept by participating in ethereum so but because i didn't have a technical background so it took me a long time i began earnestly like, trying to study you know, how to run my own infrastructure but at the end of 2020 but it, it wasn't until the start of 2022 that i had all the necessary knowledge plus the confidence to launch my own home-based validator and put my own batch of uh, Ethereum tokens into my own setup. Right, right. But but before you you came to this, right, you were, if I'm not mistaken, in the VC space? Yes, yes. So, so that's very interesting, right? So <laughs> I, I did not have a technical background. So I spent instead the last five years doing early stage tech investments in Southeast Asia with mm-hmm. a VC fund called TMB Aura. And... Some of the more notable names that, uh, that we invested in in Singapore would include the likes of Prism Plus, the, the displays and monitors brands. In Singapore, there's also, you know, Gosh Paints, 
know, they're one of the uh, only anti-VOC. VOC is uh, the harmful substances emitted by paints and coatings. They're one of the only, all the only anti-VOC uh, paints players out in the market. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. But, so- you know, Ethereum has always been my personal passion project. Yeah. And I've always wanted to, you know, be more hands-on and contribute directly. And, and yeah, so it was my passion project while I was still doing my full-time job in VC. But earlier this year, I decided to take the leap and kind of double down on building out this uh, passion project of mine. Right. Okay. But what exactly is ETH staking? You know, is it any different from, you know staking offered on centralized exchanges or mm. you know, similar platforms and you know there was also a lot of discussion about changes coming to ETH staking with the Shanghai upgrade right maybe mm. uh, that prompted some changes or like you know so maybe you can take us through all that sure sure, sure. so to start from the top ETH staking is basically a way for network participants in on the Ethereum network to put their assets to at stake to vote for valid and honest transactions and at the same time, this provides security to the network. Mm-hmm. So, so these such network participants are called validators. And in layman terms, validators basically process transactions for the users on the Ethereum network and ensures that these transactions are set in stone once they have been processed. So since the, uh, the merge happened in, in September 2022, Ethereum no longer relies on the proof of work to achieve consensus among participants, but they they instead rely on proof of stake, which is where the the original term of uh, staking, the original concept of staking comes from. Right, right, okay. So the Shanghai upgrade, one of the major uh, features of the Shanghai upgrade was that it allowed proof of stake stakers you know, previously people who ran validators who staked via like uh, pooling platforms and they spun up validators, they could not withdraw their staked ETH. So the Shanghai upgrade basically allowed everyone, anyone to come and go freely. So now if you want to you enter, you maybe you wait like two days at max 48 hours. And then if you want to withdraw, I think within, within three to five days, you'll get your ETH back in your wallet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. You also said that you have tried your hand with this platform. Yeah, so I'm very interested in uh, e-staking. So that's why I was talking to uh, Sam and uh, apparently he's been sharing a lot on his Twitter account and uh, very knowledgeable. So ask him to come and share a little bit more. <laughs> Thanks for, that's for checking it out. Yeah. So to clarify this is that at the start of, from what I understand you, you shared earlier, yeah. so there was a period of time when we stake ETH. Yeah. We cannot withdraw that if yes, that's correct, yeah. right? Correct, correct. That was in 2020. Uh, yes, was... I believe it was the end of 2020. That was when you could stake ETH natively yeah. uh, on the protocol level. The, this is, of course, there, there are other platforms where you can do like borrowing and yeah. lending, but those are not proof of stake staking. Uh, those are just uh, CD5 lending and borrowing. Yeah. Okay, but that period of time, I just want to give our audience some context. Uh. So during that period of time, it was still POW. That that was before the uh, yes, before the merge. Yes. Yeah, before the merge, and there was yield to it. So when you stake, correct. So now for POS after the merge, we, we the Ethereum become proof of stake, and now yeah. when we stake it, we still yeah. earn yield plus yes because of the Shanghai upgrade, it is now available to withdraw. Uh, like you say, maybe two, correct, correct. three, three, yeah. five days. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for, for like users like us, mm. what are the staking options and correct. what are the yields that 
we are looking at. Like, uh, I understand you you advocate for slow sticking, yeah. and I'm interested in slow sticking because I like to tinker around, and I have I have an NCU. I mean, I have a machine ready. That's why I like to tinker around. Right. Uh, so, just wanted to also hear from you. What are the different options of staking if staking so yeah. it, it can come from cx all the way to lsd yeah. or home staking yeah 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 sure 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 so uh, in, in the first place the yield comes from uh, transaction fees that are paid by users and also issuance by the protocol itself and on the other hand if you are performing a dishonest behaviors then you will have your you'll be penalized by having your staked assets slashed so the different types of staking you can think of it in on a spectrum of uh, decentralization and on the least decentralized side you have the centralized exchange kind of base staking you know you have like the likes of um, coinbase binance blah, blah blah right these guys take custody of your assets and then on the back end they will spin up validators either on their own or they will delegate to a institutional node operator. And these guys are the likes of Lord Payment or Figment or, or Kiln or Stakefish, uh, whichever. But at the end of the day, the yield still comes from transaction fees paid by users and issuance by the protocol, right? So then as we move up to the on the decentralization spectrum, you have smart contract based staking or pooled staking. Under this model, you have more control and more custody. Is you're supposed to have full custody of your ETH staked of your assets, but then you are still subject to risks like smart contracts, exploits, and bugs. And you're subject to to governance risk, which leads to some level of counterparty risk. But why there is governance risk is because smart contracts are not set in stone. At least most of them are not set in stone today. They can be upgraded if you know a certain number of uh, signatures are. Uh, have signed off on changing the rules of the smart contract. So there, there is some risk there, but of course these uh, staking pool staking players they have reputational capital at stake as well. So they would not, under the normal course of business, uh, defraud their own customers and users. But if you're paranoid and very neurotic like me, then you go all the way to the end of the the decentralization spectrum and you do solo staking. With solo staking, basically no one can rug you. You have full control of your your hardware, you have full control of your, your staked ETH. No one can censor you even if they wanted to. So this this is the, the difference here. And the decentralization spectrum can also be seen as a risk spectrum. So the less decentralized you are as an option to stake, then you're exposed to higher risk. And then the, the, the more decentralized the option is, you have lower risk right oh okay having said that there is a benefit to participating in pool staking models because number one there is a stable and a variable segments of rewards as ethereum validators the stable rate is around maybe 2.4 to 2.6 percent this is issued directly from the from the ethereum network itself from the protocol and think of it as like inflation and then the variable part are the transaction fees that are paid by users. So depending on the point in time where you proposed a block, the transaction fees you get could be different from others. So to give you some example, I think a few months back, there was a very lucky individual that got 500 ETH worth of block rewards. <laughs> oh, wow. And became an instant millionaire. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it was issued, I believe, to a solo staker. <laughs> and and what pool staking does right is that it smooths out all these variable lottery kind of rewards 
and distributes to everyone. So okay. the net effect is the, the average uh, yield is higher if you go through food staking, yeah, but you lose the lottery uh, aspect of it. Okay. So just to recap, it, it's a spectrum of decentralization, right? So I can stake with CEX, but they mm. hold my ETH. Correct. Uh, I can withdraw, but still there's a risk that if the CEX goes down, bye-bye to my ETH. Then we yes. can go to the pool, but that will be a smart contract risk. And also yes. very much dependent on which pool we are joining, right? So if the right. validator runs, then game over, <laughs> my ETH. Yeah. Then yeah. finally, we have the... A solo staking, which we have complete control, but that on a certain level, we require more technical knowledge. Because yes. then there's another concern or rather there's another point is that I can see like being a solo staker, you have the lottery element because you will be getting the execution reward, which is also the variable reward, correct? Yeah. And uh, the consensus reward is the one that is the inflationary. Yes, yes. How about the, the part where we need to commit 32 ETH? That is only valid for solo staking. I mean, all the yep. less decentralized options, we are able to, you know, mm. even to even commit one ETH. Yep, yep. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So the, the other benefit of uh, going through smart contract models of staking is that you don't need a full set of 32 ETH to start putting your assets to work. Uh, and it's because they pull individuals from everywhere, and then but they still need to reach batches of 32 or multiples of 32 before they can spin up a single valid, a new validator key. Yeah, so you can get started with, with lower amounts. You don't have to bother about like, you know, the hardware, maintaining the hardware, uh, learning the skill set and all that. But at the same time, you're giving up control to a large extent. And the good thing for solo stakers or aspiring solo stakers now is that you can get started with less than 32 ETH. Examples of these will be, you know, use Rocket Pool. I think the it should be around 10.4 ETH to get started now. And then you have the likes of Stater, 4.4 ETH, you can get started. And then now there's even a Diva staking yet to launch. But once they launch, the minimum amount required should be 1 ETH. And then the platform devastating will match you with the, the remaining 31 ETH. So this is a trend where more LSD players, LSD means like the smart contract based staking players, will come up with more and more innovative solutions to lower the financial barriers to entry. So it's, yeah. it's never a better time to be a, a solo staker to learn this skill set. <laughs> because now you you soon be able to get the best of both worlds. Yes. So I think this is a good segue to the gist of the, the podcast because earlier we give an introduction, right? And I also think that it is because by lowering this barrier, that means uh, you can solve like solo stake or group stake or whatever mm. you can call it cluster stake, but you don't need to commit yeah. the full 32 if I mean, in the long run, if it's bullish enough, then it will be a very crazy price for... Ethereum, that 32 Ethereum will be mm. worth a lot more. So you mentioned some protocols that enables this, like uh, Stator Lab, yes, and Stator, Rocket Pool, Rocket Pool and uh, Diva Staking, and even even Lido. You know, you you see in their governance forums, right, that they're proposing uh, opening up their validator set or the node operator set to include solo stakers or community stakers as well. So for this for what is the typical operations or the things we need if let, let's say I'm interested? Yeah. What is the machine specs that we are looking at? Mm. For example, Rocket Pool need to commit you, you commit RE, but you also need to buy RPL. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe right. you can uh, walk us through you can use either one of the sure. protocols as an example. Sure. On the hardware level, 
the basic set of hardware you need, right, will cost around 800 USD or maybe slightly above 1,000 SGD. And that is enough to run even minority clients. Minority clients are basically the validator software, choice of validator software that you choose to run your validator on. And without going too deep into it, the best practice is to always choose a minority client, an implementation that does not have majority market share. So with just 800 USD or 1000 SGD, you can get started on the hardware. Now, electricity costs around 100 SGD or maybe 85 USD per year. So it's so accessible, it's so negligible and so accessible to the everyday person. If you want to participate using Rocket Pool or Stator, then you do need exposure to another asset class other than ETH. And for Rocket Pool, for example, is the RPL token. And the RPL token basically serves as an insurance policy of sorts to ensure that the node operators of Rocket Pool uh, perform the duties well. Maybe the utility has changed, right? I, I'm not too, super up to date on that. But you need to buy both ETH and you need to buy an RPL in order to spin up a Rocket Pool node. And for Stata, it will be ETH and the SD token. Oh, okay. So it's like you need to hold the project, the protocol token. Correct. And correct. of course, uh, and, and, and also the smaller amount of ETH. Yeah. And, and to your question on like the minimum system requirements, it's very accessible. So number, on the CPU side, you know, your Intel i5 is sufficient. If you want have better performance, you can go for the, the AMD series, the 5600. Uh, series RAM, you need 32 gig SSD, you need an M MVME at least two terabytes, and then what else? Let's see, you need a backup power supply. Just get a cheap one, just to prevent power surges from and and blackouts from harming your your hardware. Yeah, I saw your tweet. Like recently, yeah, yeah. you got affected, right? <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. The lightning storm uh, yesterday, and then I was just thinking about it. I was like. Okay, when is the blackout going to come? <laughs> then right after that, the blackout. So I, I just want to bring back one point earlier on is that yeah. you say if, if there's any malicious actor or situation like this where you get blackout and you have no backup power supply and you yeah. incur this penalty called slashing, is it? Ah, okay, okay. So slashing is actually very rare and very difficult to happen. Oh, uh, okay. If you just go offline, your power goes off, your internet goes down, you won't be slashed you'll be penalized to a very minimal extent. And if you are offline for an hour, you would have recouped all your losses by the next hour. So it's as minor as that. Ah. When you slash, right, is if you are very negligent or very fraudulent. Negligent in the sense that if you somehow spin up two instances using the same validator key, the same private key, then what will happen is like you, you will end up signing the same transaction twice. Oh. And then at that point, then the network thinks that you're trying to you know change the blockchain's history and then that's when you'll be slashed. I see. Yeah. And another way you'll be penalized very heavily to the extent of slashing, right, is that you go offline together with a large portion of the network. For example, AWS has 12.5% uh, of market share of all Ethereum validators today. If somehow there's a company-wide AWS outage for an extended period of time, like say maybe a week, then everyone will be penalized very heavily. Everyone who used AWS to run their validators will be penalized very heavily. Ah, I see, I see. Because from your experience, right, Thikasaurus, you're helping people. What is the numbers 
like the ROI we are looking at. So we have a thousand sing for the machine. Yeah. Uh, maybe a hundred a year, right? For the bill. Yeah. That's a thousand one. Yeah. Uh, but APR right now, API right now for ETH staking is four percent. Yeah. So assuming I join Rocket Pool. Yeah. Uh, aside from the RPL, yeah. uh, do you think it makes sense in uh, yeah. from a stickers perspective? Yeah. Let, let's think about it from the from vanilla uh, solo staking first, right? Okay. The payback period, right? Given the four percent APR today, is around four to five months to break even on the hardware. Uh, the payback on the hardware, sorry. Yeah. Then everything else above that, right, is, is gravy. Now, if you want to use things like Rocket Pool, Stata, or even Diva, then the payback period extends proportionally because even though you're taking fees from the matched ETH, like four, you put four and then they match you with 28, but the absolute income that you get, right, is still lower than if you were to stake 32 of your own ETH. So you're right, the ROI model still needs some work to encourage solo stakers to purchase hardware and then put four ETH or eight ETH uh, in the hardware and then have the project match them with the remaining. Having said that, I think the way forward for this, right, to encourage solo staking would be then for Ethereum-aligned projects to start offering or providing hardware grants to solo stakers because having an increased amount of solo stakers will benefit everyone. Yeah, I followed that tweet and uh, I, go, I went to Google the Ethereum Foundation hardware grant. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Uh, the run the note grant. Yeah. Correct. By, by the way, anyone listening, uh, that is close. I have to wait for the next opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I would say that it, it, it will make sense for more projects to, to do these grants. Uh. And even for myself, I'm working with a few organizations and even like universities in, in Southeast Asia. I mean, nothing is confirmed yet to provide these grants for their students and then create like a curriculum, like a, a learning platform for their students, you know, to pick up this skill set. Yeah. Actually, it's quite fun if you can tinker around and really see where the yield and how are you contributing to the Ethereum network and security. I, I just want to add, add on, like on top of the machine price that we are talking about, personally for me, I have two machines. I have another one that is a Mac Mini. It's a super old Mac Mini. Wow. <laughs> but I upgraded the RAM and also upgraded the SSD to 2TB. Right. It's a 2007. I think. Wow. I don't know. 2017. Uh, ah, 2017. Uh, 2017. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are hardware, not, not as mm. a like, tinkerer or builder and you like this kind mm. of stuff, sometimes you can get it less than 1K. I mean, you can use a very old Mac Mini because I believe that one thing that all the uh, client, uh, mm. the Ethereum staking client are pushing for is on the hardware side, the CPU is not much of a consideration, correct? You can actually uh, use an older machine, but the yeah. RAM and the SSD is the key. The the SSD is a key actually. Uh, oh, okay, the, okay. Bottleneck. CPU, if an Intel i5 works, right, then it's as minimal as it gets right there. Yeah, mine was an i5. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think we know that older machine works, but there's a minimum spec to it. But if you want a machine that's like a thousand, it actually price hundred. Yeah, that's right. Then we move to the next part where we look into this and from another point of view where I want to talk about stake-wise right. is that I don't need to be a operator. I can stick with operator. How, how, can you explain how, how does yeah, it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this, uh, this stake-wise V3 module right, is one of the most exciting things for solo stakers today. Right? 
And and just to give some context, Stakewise, I think if I'm not wrong, they were one of the first few uh, staking as a service or smart contract based staking players back in the day, together with Lido and another one that I just can't remember. Anyway, the V3 module basically allows anyone to spin up their own staking pool on top of their own infrastructure, which means solo stakers can now open up their infrastructure, their hardware, the $1,000 hardware, to allow everyone, anyone to stake ETH with uh, their own hardware. And then once it reaches multiples of 32, a new validator key will be automatically spun up and this 30, batch of 32 ETH will be put to work. Oh, so for example, like I'm running a machine, a validator yeah. machine. Uh, Tim can quote unquote it deposit his ETH with me. Correct. Let's say he has 16, I have 16, then together we can go in as 32. Yeah. Yeah. Or I have 16, he has 16, you have none, and then you can spin out a validator key through this method as well. So essentially, you as a solo staker don't even need any ETH to get started. Oh. Yeah. And let's let's take Blockcast or Blockhead for example, right? What this uh, module opens up as a possibility is something that I like to call stick to subscribe. So imagine if you have a bunch of followers there. 10,000, and you want to start monetizing your podcast, you know, you want to get the uh, paywall, the premium content. So now instead of, of your users, your customers paying a subscription fee, they can instead stake a minimum amount of ETH into your creator branded vault to get access to, to premium content of broadcast. Uh, how, how does the premium content work? Because I put five ETH with broadcast who is running the uh, mm. operation of validation. Yeah. How is he going to send me that exclusive content? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let me let me clarify. The paywalling mechanism is a feature that is yet to be built, but I, I believe it's quite trivial for people to come in and build on top of it. What's interesting is for this stakewise module is that anyone can spin up their own liquid staking pool and allow their followers or their community to stake with them instead of someone some other pools that they don't know. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. So from my point of view, Stakewise actually reduce the time for me to break even when I am a small sticker. That's how I see it. Because I, so let's say I have eight or I have 16, then you put eight, team put eight, I become 32, we go in. But at the same time, uh, my machine price is fixed. My electricity bill is estimated already. And yeah. I get a small commission out from both of you, correct? Yes, that's correct. Therefore, the timeline to break even shorten. Uh, it won't be shorter than if oh, you wasn't. stay 32 ETH on your, of your own. Ah. Because you're, you're putting a larger amount of capital to work. I see, yeah. I see. But what, what can happen with this tech as well is that if you have 32 ETH on your own anyway, uh, or you're using, say, Rocket Pool, 8 plus 24, then you can run the stakewise service on top of that on the same device. And then the stakewise device will allow you to pull ETH from everyone else to spin up, say, the next 32 ETH ah, or, okay. or like whichever multiple. Yeah. It depends on how much TVL you can tr attract on your own. Ah, super. That means you are already running. Now you are opening up the same machine. Correct. Other correct. people join in. Yeah. And this is like additional income uh, because the more correct. TVL you get, the more commission you get. Yes. And the good thing about this, at least right now, is that you don't need to put up any collateral. You know, so for Rocket Pool, you still need to put up 8 or 10.4, including the RPL bond. But for stakewise, you don't have to put out any. You can start with zero. Oh, super. Yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, the problem is you still need to attract your own TVL, which for most solo stakers is no mean feat. La. If you're a nerd like ourselves, right, how do we have 
uh, followers. <laughs> I, I read your post also. Uh, big follower, you see. Uh, uh, I read your Medium. Uh, is that Medium or Substack? Uh, there you talk about okay. attracting, growing TVL through, it's like a partnership, right? The nerd handles yes. the tech, yeah. the KOL handles, you know, the audience bring in. Correct, right. So that, that is my idea of how, you know, these uh, nerdy node operators who don't like to show themselves, put themselves out there, can still grow their own uh, TBL and income is by partnering with people who have that distribution, basically creators, community builders, maybe even DAOs or aspiring fund managers. I like to come back to Stickwise uh, one more time mm. to clarify one thing is, yep. uh, so let's say together, three of us, we hit 32, we start, I, I'm the operator, I'm a stick, Stickwise operator. Yeah. Uh, I have eight, you have eight, team has 16. Uh, suddenly, one day, team decided, ah, yeah. oh, uh, I have urgent need for liquidity. I want yeah. to pull out the 16. What, ha- what happens during that process? Yeah. yeah. So whenever it falls below multiples of 32, right, the stakewise operator service will automatically trigger an exit message on the beacon chain where the validator leaves. And Teams 8ETH will automatically be uh, withdrawn to his wallet. Then yours and my ETH will stay in the stakewise vault and we can also withdraw anytime. But while it's, it sits below the 32 ETH multiple, it will not be productive, if that makes sense. It will ah. be dormant on the vault and not living on the beacon chain. I understand. So I assume it also has to go through the three to five days of waiting. Yes, yes, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's say one day teams decided to pull for liquidity, mm. cost for Isaac, uh, operation mm. stop, wait three to five days, and all of our asset goes back to the you and my asset goes back to the vote, teams go back to his wallet and he leaves from there. All right, correct. I see. Okay, okay. The other way would be because with each stakewise vault, you can, after you stake, you can mint the stakewise native free staking ETH token, which is called OSETH. And OSETH, the stakewise team will provide liquidity for OSETH on various DeFi platforms, which means that on Uniswap, you can swap OSETH to, to normal ETH. Lah. Oh, okay. You don't want to wait that three to yeah, five. Yeah, you don't want to wait that three to five days. Yeah, you can do that. But I, I expect there will be some discount. Now. It won't be one to one. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure, for sure. Because uh, of the time, right? Yeah. Oh, super. How about setting up the machine, the operation for Stickwise? Is it something that is complicated? Or right. is it like the same as like setting up solo sticking? Kind yeah, of? so on the most basic level is... 90% or at least 80% similar to solo staking. And then you just run an additional lightweight client on top of it. For example, Brian, you know that uh, to run a validator node, you need three key pieces of software. One is the execution client, then the consensus client, and then on the top is the validator client. Yeah. So the execution and consensus client is, is one set. And so you, you always have to run those together. Then on top, you can run the validator client, you can run uh, things like the rocket pool client, the stator client, then here you have the stakewise client. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. But of course, if you want to inspire confidence um, amongst the public market to, to encourage them to stick with you, then you need to showcase a bit more infrastructure uh, knowledge. Uh, like you need to have a backup node somewhere. You need to u- need be able to use uh, DBTs distributed validated technologies when they become available to everyone. There, there is a range. You can get started with very minimal knowledge, but you can work to improve your setup to a very high degree if you want to. Ah, I see. So from your perspective, right? I know you've been a big advocate for solo staking. Yeah. 
for a user, let's say the user only have five if should yeah. with moderate technical knowledge, yeah. should the user go to just a LSD like Rocket Pool, just change for RF and or... leave it there? Or should that person start exploring things like stakewise or mm. mini pool? I would say that for someone just getting started, I would encourage them to explore solo staking anyway. So while you're learning, you can put your ETH into you know, you know, Rocket Pool, Stater, or Lido, whichever. Once you've acquired some basic level of proficiency, then you can apply for a hardware grant. So it, it, think of it as a, as a roadmap. Yeah? You can apply for hardware grant with your, your skill set. You can showcase that you are proficient enough. Then once you have your hardware grant provided, then what you can do is you run a combination of you know, Diva, Rocket Pool, Stater, whichever. Just split your assets up into uh, various uh, of these uh, LSD EVE players as a node operator, not as just a, a normal staker now. And this will allow you to cultivate your on-chain reputation so that you are able to show these on-chain reputation right, to new LSD initiatives. For example, Diva and SSV, they, they, they were running their, their, their testnet uh, programs uh, recently. If you can show that, then you build off-chain reputation with these Ethereum staking projects. Right. So now you will likely be able to get priority access to any future initiatives that allocate some of the TVL to community stakers. Yes. Yeah. So this is a, it's a trend that you have to see in the long term because growing the solo staker community is very important to everyone on the Ethereum network, every project, you know, from researchers to the to even the centralized exchange, they want Ethereum to thrive. So solo stakers are very crucial to this. So position yourselves in a way that you are able to capitalize on all these uh, upcoming initiatives is, is what I would advise uh, people with small amounts of ETH to do. Now that you have all these parts, components done, right? Then the last step is then to launch your own stakewise vault and then scale your TVL. You, if you just start with the stakewise vault, right? Then no one will stick with you. <laughs> You can't show proficiency, you can't show any reputation, any track record at all. Yes, that I agree. Because uh, I was looking at Lido Testnet 4. So they are going with simple DVT, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. So you know about that. Yeah, yeah mix of SSV and Obo. Uh, correct, correct. So give context, SSV and Obo, they are both DVT providers. In the application form, they will ask you if you have previous experience, you know, all this stuff. Other, I mean, if you don't have previous experience, it's unlikely you get into that, that, that testing right, phase, right. Like, I feel. Yeah. And this is what, I'm guessing that this is what you say, like the on-chain reputation, right? Yeah. And then once you participate in these initiatives, you, you have off-chain reputation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, super, super. I think I need to buck up on my uh, <laughs> <laughs> technical knowledge to, I mean, I can set it up. It's just I have no confidence to know whether is it like secure or not because no. Is it correct or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you're not sure. There's a problem with a lot of new solo stakers when they use a setup that is highly automated. <laughs> because once the environment variables change a little bit and then they face an error, they, they are paralyzed. They, they don't know what to do, right? And then they panic. And when you panic is when you make stupid mistakes, then that could lead to you being slashed like, so far, all of the slashing events has not been due to dishonest behavior, but more of uh, stupid Mistake. mistakes. Yeah. 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 I agree. There's too much magic in if Docker. So if Docker is kind of like a software that you, you run, then uh, a lot yeah. of things are automated oh, and uh, right, populated, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy, but there are too many magic. 
Correct. And Docker to me isn't the most easy for someone new to Linux and DevOps to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I need to arrange another lesson with you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have you anytime, man. So uh, that is why I always uh, advocate for aspiring solo stakers to learn the basics first before using any abstraction layers such as if Docker or even uh, an installation script. Because you need to know the concepts, you need to know how things can affect you when they change and what are the limits to your tinkering. Like, there are some things that you cannot do absolutely. <laughs> Hey, Sam, I wanted to ask, okay, I know that you do workshops on, mm. on, on ETH home staking. Maybe you can just talk about what is covered, whether you think that's enough, or, yeah. I mean, you've also put out a document on your Twitter, yeah. um, you know, the ETH full home staking setup yeah. guide. Yeah. I mean, is that enough? If, you know, if listeners want to try their hand at it, is, yeah, is yeah. following that sufficient or is there more to it which yeah. you cover in your workshop? So to be very frank, if you are able to sit down and focus for two, three hours, the documentation, the guide that I put out should be enough for you to set up your own validator node on the testnet or even on the mainnet end to end. But because, you know, being in this space, our attention span is really short. So a lot of times people don't even read properly or they skim through, right? And then they encounter some, some errors and mistakes and then they feel that, they get discouraged and oh it's just so difficult you know but actually it's not difficult if you copy and paste the commands line by line and do it read exactly what to change you'll get there without even the workshop mm-hmm. the, the workshop is a way for me to do what, what i like to call a physical activation in, in a workshop setting there's more that i can convey to uh, the participants like oh you know this is an exciting opportunity i can get them excited and pumped up uh, easier and the workshop also helps the, the people who are less technically adept so that I can help them troubleshoot even the most basic things. Like my documents encourage them to use a virtual machine on the cloud service to practice. But a lot of people are stuck even on creating the virtual machine itself. <laughs> and even on the first installation command, they're stuck. Something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So prior to joining a workshop like yours, Yeah. Is there any prerequisites? Um, prerequisites? Yeah. What 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 should I be uh, set with? Yeah. The the only thing you should have right is a working laptop and sign up for the Google Cloud account with the free three hundred dollars of credits. And with three hundred dollars of free credits from Google Cloud, you are able to practice for months, because even if you leave it running every day, you only burn like three hundred and twenty dollars over three months. Okay. Yeah. How's the reception been for your for your classes so far? Like how, how many people have you trained? And well, I, I've lost count, to be honest. So I've been running on and off for the past nine months, eight, nine months. Class sizes varies quite a bit. The most recent one I did had 33 attendees with a university in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 33 signups. And then I think it was 18 to 20 uh, people actually showed up. Each class is around 10 to 20 packs. And I've done around maybe 8 to 10 so far. Okay. Yeah. But to, to give you a, a, a more definite metric, right? I have this uh, public Telegram group chat that I encourage all students to join after that. You know, they can get nice uh, triage support before I funnel them to the more technical teams. There's around 112 people in that group right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So he said, uh, like Sam mentioned, his Telegram mm-hmm. group, uh, 100 plus people, which also tells us there's a 
there's a big opportunity out there in this space for uh, homesteading. Like there is more to be educated. Like if everyone mm. needs to come on the Ethereum to secure the network, I mean, it's a plus, right? Mm. Not everyone is into this kind of validation. Yeah. On the other end, like as a normal user like me, who, who thinkers around, yet at the same time, like to look at the yield. Mm. Uh, like for example, you have mentioned like solo stickers, someone uh, managed to get 500 ETH for yeah. block rewards. But yeah. of course, that could be like one, one in uh, 10,000. Uh, we don't know. But, yeah, like uh, it's total. Like, you know, yeah, you... it's like total. <laughs> but, in the, but in the spectrum of 4% APY and yeah. with more tools and pro- uh, projects coming yeah. out, lowering the barrier, uh, there's an opportunity. There's definitely opportunity in this space. It's just we need a little bit of technical knowledge to yeah. take this opportunity. I, I feel and it's something that I'm interested in because yeah. I I mean, to me, uh, the machine is a sunk cost. The, mm. the next task for me is how do I make this work as hard as possible on top of my own if sticking? Uh, how can I use the same machine to provide value to others? Mm-hmm. Then I think uh, it's a plus. Uh, Correct. As a, as a user. And so that's why even if you don't have a, a spare machine lying around, uh, the existence of hardware grants right, should lower the barriers to entry to new solo stakers. The hardest part so far to me right, is getting people interested in this concept in itself. I was actually initially quite surprised at how many people did not know about you know, the, the ability to run your own uh, Ethereum node at home. <laughs> Everyone is still thinking about, oh, don't you need like expensive GPUs and it consumes a lot of electricity and then you can slash if it turns off. A lot of my time has been like, trying to just debunk these myths, people here. And this is in Singapore and Malaysia still, yeah? So imagine if I go to Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, it, the understanding is even worse. And <laughs> in some of these uh, Southeast Asia regions, there are zero Ethereum nodes running. Like I think Philippines and Vietnam has zero. Singapore is around 200, 400 maybe. The rest of Southeast Asia has less than 100 in total. Right, right. So I'm going, to, I'm going to divert a little bit. I want to hear from you who is a strong advocate on solo staking. Your thoughts on other protocols mm. like Solana where you require bare metal, right? And yeah. there was, I think two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago, there was strong conversation running around between the importance of home staking or rather solo staking, the ability to yeah. use a lightweight machine to stake yeah. VS <laughs> actually in the like, bare metal server kind of setup to stake. Yeah. What was your thoughts on this? As a general rule of thumb, right, the easier it is for anyone to participate in blockchain consensus, the stronger and the more, more decentralized the network uh, should be. Because when shit hits the fence, for lack of better phrasing, you want to make it as easy as possible for the everyday person to p- participate in correcting the, the, the wrongs. So if you need bare metal servers to, in order to uh, make your voice be heard, make, basically vote, yeah? vote on the, the rightful chain. It restricts a lot of people from being able to do this and only the large players will be able to do it, like the institutions. And who would be the most likely to collude? It won't be the everyday person, it will be the institution. So th- this is why, where the contention is. Having said that, there, there's some nuance to the Solana validator model. You don't actually need a, a, a bare metal server, but you do need expensive hardware, which is like, I think 6,000 to 8,000 USD, you can get the Solana hardware. But the real cost comes from the OPEX of running a Solana validator <laughs> because the act of voting on Solana requires you to burn Solana tokens. You need to burn like 1.1 Solana token per day 
to perform validated duties, which is close to 25k a year, which means you need to stake at least, actually I don't remember how much, but I think it's around 375,000 USD worth of Solana just to break even. So, so this is the real uh, barrier to entry for Solana validators actually. Oh wow, machine price 6,000 plus, yeah. uh, they call it, and OPEX. Uh, it's kind of OPEX, which is kind of like account rental, right? 1.1. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know your stuff, correct? Yeah, account rental one point one. So yeah. But okay, they, okay. Yeah, it's good to hear your your take on this. So this is why the Ethereum ecosystem, right, is trying to lower the barriers to entry for individuals to to run their validator nodes. Uh. But I'll I'll say despite these efforts, there's only still like six point five percent of of the network being run by home stakers or solo stakers. But on the other side of the coin, then this is the opportunity. So you take the trend of Ethereum staking projects trying to expand their node operator set to include solo stakers and assign the TVL to these solo stakers. And then on the other side, you have only 6.5% of the network of people are proficient in running uh, validator nodes. So if you join now, <laughs> you have a bigger piece of the pie than if you join later. Yeah, that I agree. Tim, I think Blockhead needs to set up. <laughs> Yes. I, know that, I mean, that's why you brought it up again last week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go through that document that, that, that Samuel shared. I mean, we'll also share it on the on the show notes. We, we need to attend Sam's lesson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you try it yourself first. And if you still have trouble, then yeah, I, I'll send you the link to the next upcoming sessions. Sure. I mean, maybe, I think that's a good, a good point to uh, close up this conversation. I mean, Sam, where can we find all these resources and how can our listeners uh, learn more? Yeah, so... I think the best platform to go to is my Twitter. It's easy to find me, just Stegosaurus. And there's only one Stegosaurus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there's no scams yet because I'm still a small account. And within my profile, you'll see my pinned tweet will be the, the full guide itself. Mm-hmm. If you want other resources, uh, I also linked a Linktree link in my profile. And then you just click on it and choose whatever you want. You, you mentioned a Telegram group as well. Yes, the Telegram group can be found in my Linktree as well. And... I'll be releasing more guides for uh, more use cases like your, you know, your SSV setup, Oval, Lido Simple DVT. If solo stickers want to join the next cohort, maybe Diva Staking if they want to, and similar ones like this. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll be sure to add all these links into the show notes, and you know, please stay in touch and keep us posted on, you know, on developments uh, at Stakesaurus, uh, Stakesaurus, and you know what 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 you're up to generally. Happy to. Do a follow-up on a subsequent episode down the road. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to uh, come back and reprise my role and see. Maybe we can do a, a pop quiz on uh, how much your knowledge has improved up <laughs> on that one. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll brush up in the meantime. Hot <laughs> <laughs> Kui, where can uh, listeners find more of your stuff? Same on Twitter. You can find me on Going On Chain. Yeah, there's a Twitter handle or the X handle. Nice, nice. And of course... On, uh, through your articles that you contribute to Block Hitler. Yeah. Great. So, Sam, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for speaking to us. We'll be carrying all updates on Stakesaurus on blockhead.co. So, stay tuned. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks again for Thank having you. me, guys.